Good morning and welcome to Amazing Women. I'm Deborah Giro, host and creator of this show that celebrates women who make a difference in our community. My guest this morning is Jennifer Barrera. She is the first Chief Strategy Officer with the Rhode Island Coalition to End Homelessness. Prior to joining the coalition, Jennifer was the executive director at Lucy's Hearth for 15 years. I know her from that job. You know that Lucy's Hearth has been a safe haven for women of domestic violence and their children. Um, I know there she spearheaded a $4 million capital campaign for the purchase and renovation of a shelter in Middletown. Jen is a native Middletown, Rhode Island resident. She's the mother of one son, and boy, is she passionate about this issue of homelessness. So thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Great. So tell us about the mission and the work of the Coalition Against Homelessness, and what's a typical day for you as a chief strategy officer? Oh, wow. So the Rhode Island Coalition to End Homelessness, um, we are a policy and advocacy organization. So we, um, our mission is to um, prevent and end homelessness in Rhode Island. Uh, we do that through a number of things. Uh, we serve uh, our state as the lead for our coordinated entry system. So anyone who is experiencing housing instability or homelessness can contact our coordinated entry system and we uh, provide assessment, triage, and referrals to both shelter and housing. Uh, we also, at the coalition, uh, we also serve as the lead for HMIS, which is our, it stands for Homeless Management Information Systems. It's our database where we collect uh, client-level information, but uh, we're able to produce some pretty um, powerful data mm -hmm. um, that we so, use to make decisions. And before we get into your work as this chief strategy yeah. officer, so you're saying somebody who's experiencing homelessness should talk to and call the Coalition to End Homelessness. How do they contact you um, if they sure. need to do that? I mean, they probably don't have a website, so I'm not sure a website's a good idea, is it? Mm -hmm. uh, well, we do have a website, um, but we also have a team of street outreach workers that are uh, throughout the state that are out uh, engaging with folks who are living outside unsheltered, and they can connect them with coordinated entry. And we also run a call center. Mm -hmm. So there's a hotline number, it's 277-4316, um, that anyone could call. Uh, we do have, we're open uh, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And that number is 277-4316, is that correct? Correct. That's okay. Correct. So mm -hmm. how do you interface, because when I think of homelessness, I think of crossroads. Yep. So what's the difference between contacting crossroads and contacting the coalition to end homelessness sure crossroads is one of the largest providers of shelter and housing in the state so they're an mm -hmm. agency serving clients um the coalition does not provide any direct service uh to clients uh and does not have any programs uh that provide beds what we do instead is we connect um we provide strategic um guidance to in system transformation to help all of the providers. So Crossroads one very large provider in a network of providers. In our uh, database, we have approximately 45 agencies throughout the state wow. that are providing either services or either shelter beds or housing uh, to folks in our state. 
So it's not unlike, say, the Coalition Against Domestic Violence, which is the umbrella agency, and then through mm -hmm. that are all of the agencies that provide the shelters for survivors of domestic violence. So it's similar that way, I guess, with the homelessness issue? That's correct. And we also do, um, even though the domestic violence uh, providers don't enter data into our system due to security reasons for, for their clients uh, and federal rigs, we do work with them as well. So some of our domestic violence providers also have uh, shelter and housing funding from our system. And is there really good communication and I like to say cross-pollination between all of these social service agencies? Uh, that's a good question. We work really hard, but as you can imagine with COVID, our numbers have grown tremendously. Um, the point in time count is a way that we measure how we're doing in Rhode Island and how many people are experiencing homelessness. Um, our point in time count before uh, before COVID happened, uh, we had about 1,200 folks uh, in our system. Actually, get this. We had 77 people that were unsheltered, mm -hmm. and this past um, this past year in 2022, of uh, the number of folks that we had unsheltered rose to almost 300. And currently, if we were to do that measure today, we have 400 people that are outside. So our numbers have grown tremendously, and along with that, all of our organizations have had to grow and stretch to meet the growing need. So we work really hard to collaborate through a series of different meetings and other ways that we communicate. Um, so in many the ways, you're the entry system ties it all together. Yeah, and you're sort of the data system. Correct. We're we're uh, so at the coalition, the HMIS is the data system. Coordinated entry is a group of folks that are helping to prioritize and see who needs when shelter beds come open, who goes into that shelter bed, when housing units come open, Got it. making referrals into the shelter bed. And we also serve as the lead for a couple of other projects. Um, one is the most recently funded youth project. So we have a, a youth homeless demonstration project that we serve as the lead. And I just received some funding with the coalition to do some more collaboration with our DB partners uh, so, in the state as well. So getting back to my, my first question, you know, and if you're just joining us, um, thanks for joining us and for being here and spending part of your weekend. I'm Deb Ruggiero, host and creator of Amazing Women, available now on all your favorite streaming devices, Apple and Spotify. The website is amazingwomenri.com. My guest is Jennifer Barrera, the Chief Strategy Officer for the Coalition, the Rhode Island Coalition, to end homelessness. So what exactly does a Chief Strategy Officer do? A little bit of everything. So okay. I actually manage the um, data team, so the HMIS team. I manage the team that uh, is managing the coordinated entry system. Mm -hmm. I work alongside other system leaders when there are funding opportunities to come out that come out. So I work with agencies to try to help them apply for funding and collaborate to make a more competitive application and also um, to work on creative solutions. So are you a grant resource to some of the other 45 agencies that you work with? Yes, we do, pro I provide some technical assistance, absolutely. So uh, since you're the data center, on any given day, Jen, how many Rhode Island men, women, children are homeless in our state? Uh, that's a great question. So today there's about 400 folks that are outside 
Mm -hmm. um, and that's a number that measures how many people um, contacted our coordinated entry system in the last two weeks that reported they were outside. Is that um, because they cannot find a shelter or a bed at any of the shelters across the state? Yeah, we have just over 700 beds online, and we have even more that were recently funded coming online in advance mm -hmm. of the really cold weather. Right. Um, but it's a combination. Some is uh, some folks are outside because they can't find or get into a shelter bed, and some folks are outside because shelter living is really hard, and some mm -hmm. folks really struggle with the um, with the environment. So. You know, there's folks who have some uh, mental illness or trauma or substance use issues that really struggle in our shelter. Yeah, it's a lot of other issues, too, that are happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And obviously, ending homelessness means providing housing. You know, Absolutely. homelessness and affordable housing, I know, have been top of mind policy issues at the legislature, mm -hmm. certainly for me. I know serving on house finance, making sure that we passed $250 million in the budget for affordable housing. 10 million of that went towards homelessness. You know, is that enough? And what's being done with that money, Jen? Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of the 10 million, it, it sounds like it should be sufficient, but it's really not enough. As I said, the numbers have quadrupled um, of folks who are experiencing homelessness. And also we know that we also need to do a better job at, um, diverting folks so they don't even come into our system. In order, in order to do that, we need to make sure that we have sufficient resources to fund agencies to be doing the work, the housing problem solving and diversion work. And we also need to have some financial resources to assist families. On average, uh, and Crossroads has been the primary agency doing diversion for our state, um, on average, it's between $1,600 and $2,000 per household to resolve their homelessness or their housing instability issue. So they never come into our system. So I think when we look at the 10 million, we, we do need more. Uh, we recently, I, I led a group uh, to put together a crisis plan going into the winter. We, um, we are, we've asked uh, leadership for $15 million, 2 million for diversion and the remaining, because we need 380 more shelter beds in order to make sure none of our neighbors freeze to death outside this winter. So, so the 380 more shelter beds are the result of some 400 people who are homeless in our state, correct? Is that, correct. Is that the number? So I thought I just heard you say that it's about $2,000 per yeah. homeless person. So that's $800,000. That's the math, right? So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm so I'm trying, I'm trying to wrestle with $800,000, yes. which is, yes. let's say, a million, right? Mm -hmm. And yet... 10 million towards housing the homeless isn't really enough. Help me understand yeah. that disconnect. So the 380 are folks that have become homeless. They're already unsheltered. They, they're, they were unable to be diverted by our system. What we need to do is not only serve the 380 that are outside, plus the 700 that are in our shelters, but we also have to stop people from coming into our system. Because as fast as we can shelter and house folks, if we still have huge numbers of people coming into our system and we're not able to successfully divert them, we're going to continue to struggle with, with high numbers of people utilizing our system. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, you know, continue to sort of be underwater, so to speak. 
So I get it. So what you're saying is there's like 400 people who are out there in the community, you know, not in a shelter. You've got 750 people in a shelter somewhere, right? Is that the number in the shelter? Correct. But also there was $5 million in funding that was earmarked for emergency shelters in Rhode Island. I mean, 275 shelter beds for this coming winter. I get it's not 400, but you know, it seems like when I see the numbers and I see the money that's been allocated, you know, through the legislature, having been a state rep and sitting on house finance, um, it seems like we're making some headway in this policy issue. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. Um, After we made the $15 million uh, ask very shortly and at, it was already in the works, So it wasn't really a result of, but we were very happy to hear of the $5 million shelter expansion that um, expansion, 3.5 million of it has been awarded, and that is um, projected to create in the uh, 231 beds. So we're very happy. Every bed is another person who's not outside. So we're very happy to, to support those beds coming online in the very near future. Mm-hmm. So what's your biggest challenge? Yeah. It's, it's a good question. Our, our biggest challenge is really making sure that all of the, that it's not just um, what, there's not just one intervention because there's such a diverse community. You know, if you look at the folks that are outside, we've got uh, around 80 folks that are part of couples and they want to be sheltered and housed as a couple. They may not have children, but they're still a household. We've got 228 individuals outside, all with unique needs. Uh, And then we also have almost 50 households that have at least one minor child. Mm -hmm. That's 150 family members that are outside as well. So there there are unique groups of people that are outside in various regions of Rhode Island. And we, the, the challenge is making sure that each region has diversion activities coordinated entry access, that there's shelters available, that the shelters are not only just sheltering folks, but really working with them to solve their homeless problems and, hom- and homeless uh, and get them housed. So uh, we, want, we need to make sure uh, shelter staff is well educated and has all the tools they need to move people on. And then the biggest problem, which everyone is familiar with, is we need to develop more affordable housing. In That's the- right. And that's a pretty pervasive crisis in Rhode Island, even for those who are not homeless. You know, 30% of people renting in Rhode Island cannot afford to pay their rent. So those who have one slight mishap, whether it's a health issue, a loss of a job, become part of your homeless population. So you mentioned that um, you have at least 50 families with children who are homeless. By that, they're not in a shelter. They do not have a bed at the end of the day. Where do they sleep? Are they in their car? I mean, where do they go with a child? You know, folks are uh, at all over. Um, but when we talk about unsheltered folks, these are folks who are in what HUD designates as a place not meant for habitation. So that like could a be car. a car, mm-hmm. an abandoned building, a right. stairwell, uh, you know, a stairwell in a building um, outside. There's a number of places camping that folks are uh, engaging in. So if someone's listening right now and they know or they've seen someone who's in a stairwell or in an abandoned building, what can they do? Who do they call? How do they get resources to that person? 
Yeah, I think, you know, to make sure that the person connects with coordinated entry, that hotline number, it's 401-277-4316 uh, to coordinate. I think the most important thing that every Rhode Islander can do today is to support legislation to develop affordable housing and also to allow for shelters and affordable housing to be created in your community. All mm -hmm. of the folks who we're talking about, the 400 folks that are unsheltered and the 750 that are sheltered, all of those folks are Rhode Islanders. And right. so it's really, really challenging when we try to develop a building for shelter or housing and people don't want uh, a facility or a, a house or an apartment building in their backyard, the nimbyism. When we look at other communities who have successfully begun to address the homeless issue in their communities, the one, the single most important factor is that the community supported housing their neighbors. And so Rhode Island needs to work to, to better support our unsheltered and sheltered neighbors so they can be housed. And I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, we know what happened in Warwick with the Nilo Hotel. You know, what kind of community outreach and communication needs to happen to mitigate any concerns from neighborhoods, yeah. you know, who, who don't want homeless people in a hotel that's, that's near their property. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in, you know, instead of just focusing on the specific issue of Nilo, I think what people have to realize is that when you talk about the homeless, it's very, it's very challenging. There are, people that are experiencing homelessness, these folks, and I used to talk a lot about this when I ran Lucy's Heart with the families, these are folks who are serving your coffee at a coffee shop or a restaurant. They're folks that are answering the phone at your dentist office. It's or, the working poor who have nowhere to go. Working, I mean, when you think about folks experiencing homelessness, folks typically go to the stereotypical person who's out panhandling on the streets. And I really we need to turn that that stigma around. Rhode Islanders are experiencing homelessness, whether they're uh, not working and they're suffering from a disability or they're working and they still can't make ends meet and they're in a hotel and then they can't pay the hotel any longer and they're in a car. Right. These are all folks who deserve a safe, affordable house to live in. In terms of neighborhood, you know, I think if if, I would rather have folks in a program where they have case management and supportive services to help them uh, achieve their goals and get housed than having people sort of in, uh, you know, in an yeah. encampment living in my neighborhood uh, where they aren't getting help that they need. Yeah, and your point about they need a lot of wraparound services, you know, is well taken. I spent a lot of time in Boston and Massachusetts, so I spent a lot of time reading the Globe. And I know in Brockton, uh, Mass, the old Roadway Inn was converted from a hotel rooms into permanent housing use. And it makes sense because each is a separate room with plumbing and can be retrofitted. The Pine Street Inn, which is a shelter in Boston, is looking to convert the Dorchester Comfort Inn. They're going to have 100 permanent housing units. And these are old hotels, right, that have plumbing. I mean, they're small, but, you know, you can put a microwave inside. And what plans are there to convert old hotels in Rhode Island? Are there any old hotels that maybe federal dollars, mm -hmm. opera funds can be used for this conversion? 
Yeah. Interesting. You know, we did look at a pretty large project early on in COVID and that didn't, it didn't pan out. It wasn't viable. The building got sold, but we have all along since COVID began, been looking for buildings, whether they're, you know, dorm rooms, dorms that aren't in use any longer, hotels, small or large hotels that are not in use uh, that we can purchase and renovate into permanent supportive housing. We're looking for all sorts of buildings, including land um, that would be available for us to, to, to build permanent housing. I think it, it's going to take a combination of each of the 39 municipalities having uh, zoning and, and planning laws and regulations that are in effect that support the development of affordable housing, um, as well as organizational capacity. As I mm -hmm. said, all of the orgs that, that are serving people experiencing homelessness are really stretched to capacity. So mm -hmm. taking on building more affordable housing is very challenging. Totally. Uh, so if you're just tuning in, uh, my guest is Jennifer Barrera. She's the uh, Chief Strategy Officer with the Rhode Island Coalition to End Homelessness. I've known her for many years for her work at Lucy's, Lucy's Hearth in Middletown. Um, so we talked about you working with 45 other agencies, yeah. right? What mm -hmm. kind of a nexus is there with those agencies uh, so that you're actually feeling like you're making a difference somehow in, in housing. Mm -hmm. What you say are 400 people who are on the street and another 750 who are in shelters who need some kind of, you know, housing. Yeah. Well, in our state, um, the HUD, HUD, HUD mandates that we establish a continuum of care. So we have a really active continuum of care mm -hmm. um, that meets, it meet, the board meets monthly. And there's a series of subcommittees that manage different and look at and advise on various areas. But that is the board that sort of manages this uh, continuum of care or COC funding that comes into our state and also provides a strategic guidance. So it's through that board as well as the, um, the state's housing resource commission that a lot of the decision making and strategic planning is, is done. In what about Rhode Island housing? Is Rhode Island housing part of that? Yeah, Rhode Island Housing is a big actual partner in both. So Rhode Island Housing actually hires the, the woman who uh, is the COC planner, mm -hmm. uh, who really sort of uh, helps coordinate the board and all of the initiatives and really manages all of the funding sources and, and projects. Uh, it's, a, it's a big job. Her name's Elizabeth yeah. Bioto. Mm -hmm. So she's an employee of Rhode Island Housing. And how is the Coalition to End Homelessness funded? How do you keep your doors open? Well, we are always fundraising because we are a private nonprofit. So uh, we are always fundraising and looking for folks who want to support the work that we're doing in our state. Um, we do, we are funded uh, to serve as the HMIS and CES and YHTP lead. Um, and so you're getting we, state funding as well? We do receive some state and federal funding. So state and federal work. funding. And what's your overall budget each year? Our overall budget grew quite a bit uh, through COVID, and our current overall budget is just over $4 million. It's about a $4 million budget. Wow. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. Well, it is really uh, yeoman's work that you're doing. Uh, Jennifer Barrera, the Chief Strategy Officer with the Rhode Island Coalition to End Homelessness, thank you for all that you do in our state. I'm going to give that hotline again, which is 401 277 
888-438-4316. If you know someone who is homeless or needs help, please uh, give them that call so that somebody can get out and, and help them. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Thank you. Appreciate and it. I would encourage everyone to join us for the State of Homelessness yeah. uh, event that we're having downtown. Okay, cool. Well, listen, I end each show with a quote. And this quote is from Mother Teresa. We sometimes think poverty is only being hungry, naked, and homeless. The poverty of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for is the greatest poverty. We must start in our own homes to remedy this kind of poverty. I'm Deborah Girel. Thank you so much for joining us. AmazingWomenRI.com is the website and available too on all your streaming devices. Have a great weekend. Stay well.